The following content is not suitable for children. We've got two sponsors this episode, UberLube, whom you know as offering the best silicone lubricant out there. And we have Manscaped. Many of you will have seen this on the football games. Gentlemen, I want you to really listen up on this one as George joins the 21st century with Manscaped. Let's talk with people about how to set up their marriage in early, early marriage, sexually and emotionally. So important, Lori. How many of us never get that and try to reinvent the wheel and figure it out on our own? It's about time we help people set up for success. Welcome to Foreplay Radio, Couples and Sex Therapy. I'm Lori Watson, your sex therapist. And I'm George Fallon, your couples therapist. And we are passionate about talking about sex and helping you develop a way to talk to each other. Our mission is to help our audience develop a healthier relationship to sex that integrates the mind, the heart, and the body. For a great personal lubricant, please check out uberlube.com and use the coupon foreplay to support us at the podcast. Thanks. I think the first thing is helping them organize their emotional life, right? Mm -hmm. Because in the beginning, it feels kind of random. I'm saying something to my partner. I'm asking my partner something emotionally. I'm responding to them and I'm getting something that doesn't always make sense to me. And so I, I really think that organizing around understanding, not 100%, but understanding the trend of whether your partner is an emotional pursuer or emotional withdrawer really, really helps make sense. It, it made sense to me finally in my own marriage, trying to understand that. And then also finding kind of what moves make it better so that your partner, you don't push your partner away or you don't frustrate your partner, right? I just remember I was a newlywed and had an expectation a very high expectation of, you know, we're going to now do everything together. We're going to get off work. We're going to go to the gym together. We're going to come home, probably, you know, make supper together. Do dishes and, together. Oh, absolutely. Together. Do dishes together and then go to bed together. I mean, that was kind of my evening in terms of how I thought that was going to happen. And, I remember that was definitely not his picture of his evening. A lot of it was he was going to go to the gym by himself. I mean, what are we going to do at the gym, right? I mean, you, you go do the treadmill. I'm in the weight room. This was, we got married, George, when women were not in the weight room. I mean, women really were not lifting. And so... You were up on doing the classes and doing the treadmill and the guys. And so for him, this whole fantasy of mine of we're going to meet at the gym was like, no, let's not do that. And, and definitely I got married in a more probably traditional expectation. I definitely saw myself as the grocery shopper, the cook, the planner of all that kind of stuff. Yeah, that The decorator. Word. That word expectation is critical, right? If, if we don't challenge expectations and assumptions, it sets us up for failure. So just identifying what are the moves that you do that make you safe, 
right? It allows this process to become more predictable and allows you to take the other person's move less personal, mm-hmm. right? So if your move is to engage, to talk, to kind of head towards, but your husband's move is to take space when things are not working, to avoid conflict, right? To, to just recognize that allows you to say, hey, he's going away not because he don't care, but this is how he's learned to manage kind of a threat or for him to start recognizing, wait, Lori just wants to talk about it. Her anger is her fight for me. It's not her trying to tell me I'm doing it wrong. That Just that understanding of going into a marriage creates such a strongest foundation. And I think too, you know, he had been at work all day long. So that was a high engagement, high interaction. And so the way he experienced relaxation and the end of his day was like ending that interaction. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I need alone time. I need recovery time. And it wasn't even personal about, I don't want to be with you. It was just like, you know, when we were dating, we didn't live together before we got married. And so when we were dating, he would have a gob of that, you know, I I mean, maybe we would get together in the evenings, three or four evenings a week. And so, you know, sometimes it would be seven o'clock. So he'd be off at five thirty, six, have an hour to himself. So coming into cocktail hour, like, are you kidding? Yeah. (laughs) It's like, where's that hour that I need? That's right. Yeah, I I tell new couples, I talk about this in my book, True Connection, the high road, the middle road, and the low road. The high road is great levels of engagement, great sex, great dinners, the stuff that new couples think their whole relationship's going to be, right? The good stuff, why we're with each other. The middle road is just the grind of life. You got to pay the bills and do the dishes and take out the garbage and all the stuff that needs to happen. And then the low road is the misses. How do we repair our insecurities, our vulnerabilities, right? We want to help young couples thrive in all three roads. But unfortunately, what happens is most couples blindly go into it thinking, hey, we're supposed to be like Hollywood living in the high road together. And before you know it, they find the grind starts to sneak up on them. And this isn't so much fun. The more you're stuck on the middle road, the more you're going to need to talk about the misses and the repairs in the low road. But most of us get no help doing that. So that's what you're saying with these cycles. There's predictable things. There are some low road conversations that are going to need to happen, right? If, if your husband was, knew how to talk about kind of his world in a way you can hear it, that would have been a beautiful teaching of the value of low road. But most couples, newlyweds, want to avoid it. And they don't recognize to avoid the low road also means you start to lose the high road. Now you're in trouble. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. I have a pursuing male partner in therapy. He's the male pursuer. And he says, you know, why live an average life? Why shouldn't we just like, like really concentrate on making every moment count? Yes. Sexually. And like he wants, he literally wants to have daily talks about the relationship How am I doing? How are you feeling about me? What can I do better to really make your life good? I mean, he is so intense, George. (laughs) Hey, listen, I feel bad for my wife as you're talking about this because, (laughs) I mean, this is what foreplay has done to me. It's caused this to be much more in my brain. So I want to be able to, like, 
change the world. Let's make sex easy to talk about. Let's talk about it all the time. And I look at her, she's like, oh, not again, right? It's like, <laughs> so I can relate to that pushing energy, right? Yeah. Just wants to say, hey, my heart is coming from a good place. I just want to do good. I want to have fun. And when you have that kind of good energy and somebody's like, doesn't want to engage, it's like, wah, wah. It's like a Debbie down just like crushes you. So I, I'm glad that you're giving that example and then men can be the pursuers too, right? But yes, Absolutely. that's a setup when you want something badly and you're going for it and the other person not only doesn't engage but walks away. It's like, are you kidding me? That natural anger wants to come out and say, ah. <laughs> that is so true. That is so true. And I think young couples, right? What can we encourage them with? Like if you're a withdrawing partner, how can you – Talk about your needs in a way that is loving to your partner, explaining, depersonalizing it, explaining who you are and, and what you need so that your pursuing partner kind of is let down easy. I mean, what would you suggest? You're so good at language. I want to, I want to hear you. Listen, I, I, I think these withdrawers or protectors who like space we want to see the value, the strength of that in so many places that's so good and so healthy. We love people calm under pressure. We don't want that to change. So we really want to start off connecting with that. What I think then my next move is I really need to help those protectors experience some success with those more vulnerable feelings, right? The reason they want to avoid emotions because most of the time emotions lead to fighting bad things. Right. If sure. emotions could lead to repair and connection and feeling better, they'd be more inclined to having that. So that's really what I'm trying to set up a structure. I find really helpful with my couples to say, right, what is the goal? What is the target of this conversation? If you want this protector to share and have success, if that is the goal, then I got to get my pursuers to say, this isn't about you or your feelings or your world right now. We'll get to that. That's a different target. That's a different conversation. But for this conversation, I need you to be the one person on this planet that keeps their focus on that protector and really helps that protector experience success with sharing what they're sharing. That's a targeted conversation. But most of the time what happens is the protector shares something that triggers something in the pursuer. And they're like, yeah, but what about me? And before you know it, that conversation just reinforces for the protector why you don't really want to talk about emotions because it leads to fight, drama, only making things worse. So again, how do we go into a conversation with both people being clear on what the goal of it is in the first place? If it's the pursuer who really wants to feel understood, then I need to see the protector to kind of get to see the value of staying focused. This isn't about you. You're failing. You're protecting yourself, needing to go away. How do you get curious and really understand this protector's world? Mm -hmm. So we want to encourage the pursuing partner to ask questions about the needs of the withdrawing partner, first of all, to consider, right? I, I think all of us, we, we believe we have found our soulmate. We, have be we believe in the beginning we have found somebody just like us. And so we want the pursuer to open up their mind to difference, right? Mm -hmm. You know, I, I noticed that sometimes you like to go to the gym after work you really don't want dinner until much later. Can you kind of tell me what your normal pattern is, right? Trying to ask questions that make it okay for their partner to be different, to have different needs. 
I had some girlfriends I was traveling with, and they said, how do you like to travel? Do you like to read? Do you need alone time? Do you like to do dinner every night? And I was like, wow, that is really a great question. You know, you're asking me about my preferences so that we're setting up and changing expectations rather than just making assumptions. So good, right? You're being intentional about things that you normally don't think about. That's how we challenge these assumptions or expectations that really negatively influence, right? Because we get hurt when they're not met, even though we've never actually said it explicitly. So it's a great question. And early marriage is just full of broken expectations, right? (laughs) Nothing like that to inspire people to go down this road, right? (laughs) But, But that's what we're saying first is begin to talk about kind of minute things that you you have assumptions about and just know you have a whole way of being that is has assumptions and, and that your partner yes. make it safe for them to tell you the truth and to see the opportunity in it there is nothing like a relationship or a marriage to grow both of you right if you can talk about these assumptions and you can learn to repair it you're going to thrive that's the opportunity okay we'll come back Just want to recommend to you again, uberlube.com with the coupon foreplay. This supports us at the podcast, and it is a great lubricant. I've been recommending it for years. I give out samples to all my patients. It has long-lasting performance without that sticky residue that hangs you up when you're making love. This is scent-free. It's taste-free. It's a beautiful feeling on your skin of soft and silky. It has only four ingredients and three types of high-grade silicone. There's a trace of vitamin E. It will not impact your pH balance. It doesn't change your hormones. It won't cause allergic reactions, which some of the lubricants out there do. So this is why I can highly recommend this one. It's also recommended by other thousands of doctors globally, and it's made here in the USA. It has discreet and classy packaging, which I love because I can keep it on my nightstand It's a glass container with white lettering. Nobody would see it as any different than a perfume bottle. It's really high class. So please check out uberlube.com and use the coupon foreplay. Save 10% when you use the coupon foreplay at uberlube.com. So, Lori, you know at times I can be a bit old school. Yeah. I was growing up with a bunch of men who didn't do any kind of trimming or cleaning. They just kind of just let it roll. Oh, no. So I think I've tried to get caught up with the modern times and, hey, when you notice all what women have to do to go through the groom and clean and make themselves wax, wax and all this stuff that seems quite painful, I figured the least I can do is, you know, give a little trim and freshen <laughs> up a bit. Oh, George. The problem is I used, you know, what I was using to shave my son's head and, you know, it, it didn't feel so good down here. So you, you totally need Manscapes electric trimmer because it is so safe and you need this. It's like the improved lawnmower is what they call it. 3.0. 3.0. Well, listen. Yeah. When you're going close to the family jewels, you better be safe and take your time. (laughs) Absolutely. And you can use this in the shower. It's like waterproof. There's like an LED light that you can see and they have this motor. I guess it goes for 90 minutes. I mean, I don't don't know anybody who's going to need it for 90 minutes, but definitely. um, I'm sold. Manscaped. Here I come. Okay. So our listeners, you know. They can get this for 20% off and free shipping if they go to manscaped.com and use the code foreplay. 
So if you want to come up to the modern era, gentlemen, I think it's a very good idea. Come on and join me. George, let's talk about sex in early marriage. There's often the same issue, right? There's a cycle in the sexual cycle where one person, not that they both don't want to have sex, don't want to have orgasms, they do, but oftentimes one person is more of the pursuer. So they're initiating, they're more creative, they often are setting time aside, they have expectations, and frequently the other partner more withdrawing. And I think withdrawing sexually could be that they're more responding. They may like sex, but they're not necessarily as focused or as sexually oriented. And so so they are what we would call the withdrawer. And so we we need to help them get together about this. Again, I think a discussion, and I would love couples to have a discussion before marriage, so you know, important. about, hey, you know, this this is really, really important to me, and this is kind of what I think in terms of frequency. This is how often, you know, we have sex now or how often I masturbate or, or something so that you kind of clue your partner in in terms of the expectation for frequency. Well, I'm going to put a huge highlighter here because, again, I, I this is critical. Most of us come from families where we don't really talk about sex. If you create that early foundation that says, no, this is what we do as a couple. We give each other feedback. We kind of like this. If you set that foundation, you are, you're set up for great sex for your, for your relationship. But if you don't, if you're not intentional, if you just think your partner is going to be a mind reader and it's just going to, right, it's just set up for missing. Right. So mm-hmm. this is we this should be totally built in with your marriage certificate that you have to have a conversation. <laughs> You're forced to have a difficult conversation. It's not supposed to be easy, but the, it's not easy when you go to the gym for the first time. You hit a golf ball. I mean, the more you get you put reps in, you get practice. It becomes easier. That becomes your new normal. So this is probably the most important thing that somebody a newlywed needs to hear. Like, don't avoid this conversation. It won't be easy, but there is no better investment of time or energy that you can have than to actually have this conversation and set the tone for the rest of your relationship that this is something really important to do. And I just gave you a piece of research in something else that we're going to talk about today that was saying, you know, talking about sex, people experience that as more vulnerable than having sex. Mm. You know, it is because it's, it's opening up your soul about it, whereas you could maybe do it. It's good. It's bad. It's whatever. But talking about it is so difficult. Talking about, I, I say that young couples should have the who, what, when, where, why conversation. Like, who initiates? Do you have expectations about that? I mean, so many couples are gendered. You know, they have gender expectations. The man is supposed to initiate. And the woman is supposed to be responsive, which, you know, hopefully is changing in our culture, but I I still see it very prevalent. And I see it in women who want sex, who are what I would call sexual pursuers. They still wait for initiation. Mm -hmm. What, you know, what are we going to do in bed? How do we talk about that? How do we know that? I think once you're lovers for a long 
longer period of time. Sometimes you can depend on flow, but in the beginning, you know, if you've only been sexual partners for a little bit, you may not know like, Hey, my partner really wants this tonight. And I had no idea. And so then they end up out of the experience going, okay, we did the same old, same old. And you're like, well, that's what I thought we were doing. You know, but in their mind, they didn't reveal it. They didn't say, you know, what I'd really like to do is this. So, and when to have sex, I have had so many couples, more couples than it seems possible to say, you know, I'm a morning person, I'm an evening person. And I'm like, you know, dang, there's, there's noontime. Yeah. You know, I mean, can't they like Saturday, Sunday, do it at noon, you know, or when their energy is high? I remember calling my husband from, I think it was actually my second job that I had when I was married. And it was, I realized 10 o'clock, I was just like the highest energy of my day. And I 10 a.m.? 10 a.m. Okay. And I called him up and, and I was like, you know, it's 10 a.m. And I am like awake and thinking about you. And this was when, you know, they had cubes and hard, hard line phones. And right, you had to, right. you had to kind of talk in code, <laughs> no cell phones back then, but you know, it, it was like, I became aware of my daily rhythm of what was really good for me. You know, so time of day, why are we going to have sex? You know, is it just because it's the end of the day? Is it when I don't feel good, when it strikes me and what happens if it doesn't strike me? How do I become intentional about that? I mean, young couples really should sort that all through. I, I think they should sort it through in premarital counseling. Do you know that if couples have premarital counseling, their reduction in divorce is by 50%. Wow. This makes so much sense what you're saying. I love the simplicity of the what, where, when, where. Right, oh, that those questions. And where are we going to have sex? You know, is it always where the bed? Be yeah, <laughs> right. But that most of the time, premarital counseling is not really even talking about sex. Absolutely. Right, and so again, it sets into motion these assumptions that like it's just supposed to be easy and natural and spontaneous and always good, and it's that's a recipe for disaster. It is because they haven't been explicit about it. And each of them has an idea about it, but they don't necessarily talk about it. So I really want couples to talk about that. I also so desperately want couples to talk about, you know, what feels good. Mm -hmm. I mean, they got to know how she's going to have an orgasm, right? They, I mean, in, like you've said over and over on our podcast, you don't think that men get trained that the clitoris is kind of the center of her sexual universe. So... One thing I think in terms of a goal, a sexual goal, and Dan Savage, he's a columnist and he's a podcaster. He's a, you know, one of the, he is usually, if not number one, he's number two in our category. He says that a sexual, sexual Be careful, goal. Mr. Savage, we're coming for you though. We're going <laughs> to, no, we have the same message. It's all good. You know, he says that the goal sexually should be GGG. Those are your initials, George. This is this is all about you. Good giving and game. And so that means you should have a goal to be good in bed. Yeah. To develop your eroticism. Who tells you that? We think it should be natural, and it's not. And good we being, you know, not about your performance, 
good being, you are emotionally, your heart, your mind, and your body are engaged, you're present. All of us are capable of that good sex. No matter what your mechanics are, right? If you're, if you're able to yeah. kind of be present. Yeah, but man, I think good mechanics too are important as well. Yeah, it is. But yeah. again, people hear good and they just immediately go to mechanics. Okay, they start okay. You're expanding about their performance. Yes. yes, no, good means being present. Being present. Being there with love. Yeah, I like that. Okay. And giving means wanting your partner to be happy and experience a good time. I, I think that the erotic self finds joy and excitement in touching as much as in being touched. Yes. Like so many, so many people tell me, well, you know, it takes them so long and I have to do this. You know, my mouth gets tired, this, that, and the other. I'm like, Oh my gosh, they somehow or another have not translated pleasuring their partner into something that feels exciting to them. Mm -hmm. And so I think giving sex, giving touch, you know, giving to your partner is, is a growth point, right? In terms of developing eroticism. And then game is, you know, you gotta be up for some fun. Sometimes you gotta be up for a little bit of variety. You gotta, Say yes, unless it's painful, unless you are really grossed out. I mean, you know, you got a whole lifetime together. It's yeah. like being game for some fun and for differences and satisfying your partner's fantasies. And, you know, we're about monogamy. So I, I think within the realm of your own moral frame, but I, I think being game for for something that pleases your partner. I think that's part of being a good sexual partner. Three simple words that really capture the essence that if you could follow them, you're going to be set up for great sex for the long haul, right? That we need to be intentional about good, what that takes, how important it is to give, to not just be focused on yourself. This is about something bigger than just you. And to accomplish that, you have to be game, right? You have to be able to explore and stretch your comfort zone and be able to communicate if something doesn't work. I mean, it's that game and that stretching that keeps it always vibrant, always growing. And I mean, I'm certainly saying you can say no. We're not saying you can't say no. But within, I mean, there's a stretch that happens to, to enjoy sex. I mean, who we were in our 20s and who we are much later in life you know, yeah. there's growth that should happen and can happen. And that's why we love to facilitate these conversations. If somebody doesn't want to do something, they have great reasons for it. That's going to give us a window into who they are to get to know them better, right? And it's just, sometimes it's when, when something's not working, we become clearer. How healthy is that for new couples to go into mm -hmm. a relationship, not expecting perfection, everything to be easy, but expecting that they're going to miss each other? You know, 10% are ex every sexual encounter is not working so well. Like who says that in premarital counseling? Like there's not something wrong with you. If this happens, this happens to everybody. This is okay. As long as you can talk about it and figure it out, it's actually going to lead to greater sex down the road. Yeah. Being naked is good. You know, it doesn't have to be fabulous to, to still be good. So emotionally, I think identifying which side you kind of land on pursuers, what you really got to focus on is take down the criticism, take down the anger, learn to make a direct request. 
And if you're on the withdrawing side, you need to open up, actually communicate clearly who you are and learn to nurture. And then I think as a sexual goal, becoming good giving and game as, you know, this is something that makes sex really vibrant and exciting for a lifetime because that's what we're committing to, right? Beautiful words of wisdom from Lori. (laughs) Thank you, Lori. Let's keep it hot. (laughs) Thanks for listening. George, we finally get to go to Sex is a Safe Adventure. You know, with COVID, we haven't been able to do this class that is the integration of sex therapy and EFT. And I've been waiting for this for a year. So I'm glad. They're friends of yours in New York, right? Yes, I'm so excited to spend some time with two wonderful presenters, Dr. Zoya Zimahutskaya and Mike Moran, two fantastic EFT therapists and supervisors. And they're really on the leading edge of integrating sex and couples relationships. I can hardly wait to hear what they say. I've been waiting for it for a long time. So when is it? It's October 23rd through the 24th, I believe. It's a two-day seminar. And how do they reach these? If some of our EFT therapists or other therapists want to learn this, how do we reach you? Just go to the website, www.niceft.org and come join us. Lori and I will be students during this yeah. two-day training. So yeah. looking forward to... Y- you can text us and we'll talk during the whole thing. We'll have little side notes and chats. That'll be fun. Come and join us. Hey, I want to draw your attention to a course that George is doing for couples. It's on October 30th, and it's an all-day retreat. He is basically spending a whole day with you in experiential learning. So you go as a couple by Zoom to kind of gain the best tools and understanding of how to grow and safeguard your relationship. Again, this is by George. We will have a link to it under the resources on our website or link hopeandrenewal.org connection dash course. Lori, I want to give a big shout out to our patrons whose support is really helping. And as we're starting to notice with success comes more expenses. And it would really be great for our listeners to have new patrons come and join us to be part of this mission. Talking about sex, the importance of that to, to change our culture to help us not have to figure this stuff out and feel ashamed and alone with all this. That's right. We are doing a Facebook Live on October 16th at 8 p.m. Eastern Time so that our Pacific Time listeners can at least join in, hopefully after work. We will get you a new episode as well that is just available to patrons. Thanks so much. I mean, it feels good that people are believing in this mission wanting to help other couples and wanting to help make sex something that is beautiful and easy to talk about and reduce the shame that people feel about it. So your financial support has been helpful and it would be wonderful to have you behind us. Call in your questions to the 4Play question voicemail. Dial 833-MY-4PLAY. That's 833-4PLAY. And we'll use the questions for our mailbag episodes. All content is for entertainment purposes only and should not be considered as a substitute for therapy by a licensed clinic.